We're going to continue our series in, in 1 Peter this morning. Uh, if you will remember, Peter said in the very first part that we were uh, of chapter 1 that we've been born again into a living hope. He said we've got an inheritance that is in heaven that will not decay. Then Peter went on to say that, that, and he was again one who really understood it as we talked about last week, you may have some difficulties along the way. There might be some things in your life that cause some struggles, but keep your hope in Christ regardless of the struggles. Right? Our hope is always in Christ, right? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, Therefore, okay, I, there, the, all those things I just mentioned, that's what the therefore is therefore about. He's saying you've got new life in Christ, you've got new hope in Christ, you've got an inheritance in Christ, you're supposed to put our, our confidence in him. Therefore, because of all those things, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. He said, because of all those things, what I want you to do is be alert. Have you ever been not alert at times when you should have been alert? Like driving down the road sometimes, you're not quite alert and you should be alert. When something's going on in the house and you know, also, huh, it's, you're just not alert. Well, listen, he says, with alert minds. One translation says, gird up, King James says, gird up the loins of your mind. Like, do what? Gird up the loins of your mind. Let me explain that to you. Peter's just written about this amazing plan of salvation, this living hope that's in Christ. It was so desirable, such an amazing thing that even the angels desired to see it. And he says, then what you need to do is gird up the loins of your mind. You must be alert. This term, gird up your loins, is best understood with Middle Eastern cultures where men wear robes. They wear long robes. You've seen, they still wear, it's still part of their custom today. Well, if there was something going on where they needed to be alert or they needed to be ready to move or there needed to be some action or something needed to be done, what they would do is they would take the bottom of that robe and they would pull it up and they would tuck it into their belt. They girded up their loins. Why'd they do that? So you don't trip on your skirt. You don't want to trip on your robe. You've got to be agile. You've got to be available. You've got to be ready to move, ready to react. There's something happening. You've got to be ready to respond. That's what this is about. Peter's saying, what I want you to do is gird up the loins of your mind. Have your mind prepared and ready because there's stuff that's going on around us. When a person was wearing a robe, that's how they, that's how they would react. So Peter seems to be saying, look, we're living in times because I don't believe he was just speaking to them. I believe God's word is speaking to us today as well. You're living in times where we need to be ready. How many of you know there's stuff that comes at us every day? You've heard of this um, chat, GBT, GTB, G, G something, you heard of this? This is where the computer, well, it's, against the, it's against the rules in all major, major, well, probably in all schools now. But you can just go on the computer to this chat GBT, I think it was called, and you can give it parameters, and it'll write an article for you. So I tried it one day. I did. I went and I said, I need a sermon. I did. I didn't use it, but I tried it. 
I need a sermon based on Revelation chapter 15. I want it to be 3,000 words, and I want it to have a conservative bent. And within three minutes, this was a 13-page document, 3,000-word, 10-page document, 3,000 words, ready to go. And I read through it, and I thought, it's actually pretty good. (laughs) I could maybe really get by with that on Sunday. I didn't. I didn't, just so you know. But what this chat GBT does, as far as I understand, is it takes all the information that's been dumped onto the internet, conservative, liberal, neutral, whatever it is, takes all this information about a particular topic and it analyzes it, puts it all together and it'll spit you out a sermon or it'll spit you out a speech or it'll spit you out a thought process or whatever you want within just a matter of a few minutes. It's it's amazing. And college kids are cheating on their exams because they're doing this. And high school kids are cheating on their exams. So if your kids are telling you as they're doing their high school papers, hey, I got to go online and do this, just make sure what they're going on. Here's, what I, here's why, where I'm leading to. It was just an article I read the other day, and it was talking about how ChatGBT is now changing Scripture. If you want an overview of, overview of John chapter 3, it'll spit you out an overview of John chapter 3. But as it is putting together the Scriptures, it's actually taking the verses and changing the meanings of the verses. Okay? Here's the reality. This always needs to be in our heart. This always needs to be first and foremost. What does the word say? Study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I don't want you to study chat GBT. Find one, a book. It's a square thing. It's got a cover on each. It's a little thicker. It's a book. Got thin pages on the inside. Some of them are actually red letter. Read this. Get yourself a Bible. Read it. Take a marker. Highlight some things. Write in it. Use it as a study guide and get it down inside your soul. Why? Because Peter says there's stuff that's coming that you got to be ready for. Right? I had looked recently on a website. I think it was LinkedIn. I was looking for something on LinkedIn. It's a it's a uh, uh, search engine type deal. And so the other day, uh, I got a connection from LinkedIn. And it was, it was, uh, it wasn't, it was showing me all these pastors, senior pastor positions that are available all across the country. I wasn't looking, not looking, yet. You elders can let me know if I need to, but not looking yet. But, um, uh, one of the things, I started reading some of these positions, and I'm not going to tell you the, the church or where the church was at, but it was talking about a senior leader. They were looking for a senior pastor, and what they wanted the senior pastor to do was connect with the community, connect with the people, make sure that every, if I boiled it all down, I would say make sure everybody wants to feel good, and right in the description, it said, you will not need to preach doctrine or theology. You don't need, we don't want you, it actually said, you not to, you're not to teach doctrine or theology. What's my job? What's my job? Fill the church by making everybody feel good? Shouldn't be my job, right? Our job is to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, here's the deal, folks. 
That's your job too. It's not just my job. That's your job. We're supposed to know and understand what the word is. And Peter says, be ready. There's some stuff. Be alert. There's some stuff coming at you. Be alert. You're going to get all kinds of doctrine that is, that's goofy, all kinds of doctrine that doesn't line up with the word of God, right? How are you going to know what's true? You're going to check it out on the internet? Yeah. Are we going to check it out according to what our friends say? We're going to check it out according to what the word of God says. That's what we need to understand. Peter says, therefore, because Jesus has paid such a high price, because he's allowed us to be born again into a, a new and a living way. There's a, we, we have a living hope because of that, because of this inheritance that we have, because there's going to be some troubles. I want you to make sure that you're alert, sober-minded. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. That's a job. But we're supposed to set our eyes, set our hope on his grace and on nothing else. We all know, right, there's no other way to, to heaven except through Jesus Christ. Only by his grace. Only by his grace. Peter says there's a time coming, and he calls us to be active in living out our faith and to be alert. We have an enemy who is out there who wants to deceive. We need to be ready. We need to be mentally prepared. We need to be physically prepared. And I believe we need to be spiritually prepared. So here's a question. How prepared are we? How prepared are we? How much time do we spend on a weekly basis reading God's word, devoting, saying, okay, God, I just need to know the truth of your word. Not, not trying to end, just getting it in. How much time do we spend getting the word in us? How much time do we spend every day praying? How much time do we spend on a weekly basis fasting? Whew. How much time do we actually spend? Remember a couple of weeks ago, I asked us to sit here for a minute in absolute silence. How much time do we spend before the Lord in silence? Not talking, listening. We all seem to have a whole lot to say. We have a whole lot to say to God. God, here's my, here's my, my list today. If you do this, 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 and this, and this, it'd really be a great day. Thank you. I got to go. I got a, I got a phone call. Let me ask you a question. This has to do with our relationship with God. How personal is our relationship with God? I, I sit in my office and oftentimes I'm doing counseling. I'd have Brian across the desk from me maybe and we'd be sitting there chatting and my phone rings. What do I do? It would be absolutely rude if Brian and I were talking and I just pick up the phone and start talking, right? So what I do in my office is I ask, you know, listen, hey, I, we're chatting here. I always check to see if it's my family, my kids, or my wife. If you're okay with that, yep, yep, that's okay. So I check my phone. If it's not, I turn it back down. I always put my family, my kids, and my wife first. That's, that's the way it is. But here's the deal. If I'm having a conversation with Brian and Randy calls, I'm not going to go, sorry, man, I've got to talk to Randy for a few minutes. He, he's, got, he's got eggs for me. i got to get... I... Okay, take this to the next level. Take this to the next level. Oh, God. God, I just thank you for your goodness. You're so... We don't even excuse ourselves. We just pick up the phone. We don't even think twice. We just go, God, hang on. 
We wouldn't do it with a friend. We wouldn't do it with someone who has, who has a need, someone who's sitting across the table from us. But God, we don't think twice about it. We don't think twice about it. We, we, we don't, it doesn't, doesn't even hit our radar. How important is that relationship with God? How much time do we spend before Jesus always went to the Father? When, when we, I shared this a few weeks ago. When Judas went to betray Jesus, he didn't even have to go looking for him. He didn't have to go. He knew where he was going to be. He was often before the Father in the garden. He just went right there. He didn't have to search around for him. Is, what, would that, what do they say of me? What would my kids say of me? What would my wife say of me? What would my friends say of me? And I've got to try and find him. I'm not sure where he's at. Or would they know that I spent time before my Father? What would they say of you and me, us? Where are we at? Because Peter goes on here. In verse 14, verse 13 says that we need to set our hope on grace. And in verse 14, he says, as, be, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. Let's leave that up there. Just leave that up there. There's so much in this verse. As obedient children, A, how obedient are we? How often do we ask God the Father, what he would have us to do? Or do we just get up and hit the floor running? You may say, well, Pastor, I didn't come here to hear a message like this. Well, it's okay. Don't come back next week either because as are we or as are we obedient? And then he says, do not conform to the evil desires you had. He recognizes it. We recognize it. When you lived in ignorance, you know what he's saying? You're not in ignorance anymore. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are no longer ignorant of the, of, the, of the ploys of the enemy. You might not like this, okay? But what he's saying here is it's time that we make a choice. If you know, okay, Dad's going to send you out to the garden. Weed's been growing like crazy. You've got to go out to the garden. Son, today I want you to go out and pull weeds. Are you ignorant of the fact that there are weeds in the garden? Not at this point. You're not, right? Dad told you there are weeds in the garden. Dad told you he wants you to go out and pull the weeds. Are you ignorant of Dad's will? No, not at this point, right? It's pretty clear. So now what is it? Now if you go out in the garden, or if you choose not to go out in the garden, it is a choice. You're no longer ignorant of the Father's will. Now it's a choice, right? How many times do we just simply choose to do what we want instead of what the Father would have us to do? I want you to understand, Peter's, Peter's going to hit us hard. He's going to hit us hard. Paul says the exact, well, he, let's, let's move on. Verse 15. Okay. I believe there's a failure in the modern church. In the modern age, in our current age of the church, I believe the failure is this. I believe that as a, a modern church, we're not so much ignorant of the world or the world system or of our own evil desires, but I believe the failure of the modern church 
is that we recognize those evil desires, we recognize them for wickedness, and we choose to do them anyway. We choose not to walk in obedience as Peter tells us to walk in obedience. Walk in obedience as as children. Walk in obedience. What happens if Junior doesn't walk in obedience? There ought to be consequences, right? In our culture, there's not so much of that either. But back in Peter's day, now get out in the garden. Any of you ever lived through a spanking and actually lived? I tell this story all the time. My brother and I were walking through L&M five or six years ago, and all of a sudden we hear it. And both of us turned. My dad had been dead for three years. That's all we needed to hear. Whoa. I thought I was picking something up, and I didn't even know it. Put things down, man. I got the money to buy it now. Don't you touch that. Put that down. Dad, can I have it? No, get in the cart. Okay. Are we that attentive to the Father? I'm here to tell you, if you don't spend time before the Lord, you're not because you don't know his voice. When we know his voice, then we can be obedient to the things that he would have us to do. Verse 15 says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Be holy. Are we, are we living a life that is holy before the Lord? Are we living a life that's holy before a fellow man? Do our neighbors, would our, rec- would our neighbors recognize us in church? Or do they only see the us that's outside of church? They only see the us that has the coarse jesting and that swears and that does this and it does that. Which, which neighbor, which, which of us would the neighbor recognize? Are we that same person? Are we holy before the Lord? Well, he's pastor, I've, I've known this guy for 40 years. I've known him all my life. He, 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 he's okay if I swear a little bit. Yeah, but God isn't. God isn't okay with it. Verse 17, since you call on a father, since you pray to God, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Amazing phrase. Live out your time as foreigners. How many of you remember how this chapter started? Paul talked to the children of Israel as foreigners, as exiles, as people. You can't, because of their faith, they were persecuted. The church was persecuted so much that they had to leave Jerusalem and they were spread all over the Middle East. And he's talking to those people. Now here, just 14 verses later, he said, I want you to live out the rest of your life as foreigners, not in the physical realm, not in a different country, but spiritually, you're foreigners. Why? Because this world is not our home. Really? This world is not our home. Happy you got it. This world is not our home. You know what should happen in our life? I feel like standing on a chair. You know what should happen in our life? I just can't see everybody at once. If I'd stay on the stage, it'd be okay. Here, we should be 
uncomfortable with the way that the world is around us. There should be, everything about it should just go, you know what, Lord, that just doesn't really set right. They're just, I don't really like that. This, there's something wrong there. There's something in your spirit that doesn't like the way the world system is. <laughs> and that was joking around the other day, and she's like, yeah, we should move to South Dakota. Yeah, we should, I don't know, we should move to South Dakota. I'm not sure. Oh, we got a flyer in the mail, that's what it was. And yeah, move to South Dakota. I'm like, yeah, let's move to South Dakota. I don't know. I don't care where you look. I don't care where you're at. There's Sin is all around us. We should feel uncomfortable with the sin that's in the world around us. But again, the failure of the modern church is not to stand up to that. The failure of the modern church is to say, well, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's not okay. The world around us is sick, right? It's, it's hurting. It's depraved. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, therefore, again, he's talking about all kinds of things in chapter 11, but therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper act of worship. This is, King James says, this is your reasonable act of worship. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. It's reasonable for what Jesus has done. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many times have we said, well, I just don't know what God's will is. I got an answer for you. Stop conforming to the pattern of this world. The more do we conform to the pattern of this world, the less we're going to understand what God would have for us. The more I put garbage in, the less I'm going to understand what good God would have come out of my life. I'm not going to understand his ways or his purpose or his plan, right? It's not going to happen. Paul and Peter are hitting us exactly the same. Peter hits us right in the face with the why. Like, like what's the big deal? Like, why do I have to do that? First Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For you know... It is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way that was handed down to you from your ancestors, but it was with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times. When Peter says he was revealed in these last times, he's been revealed in the last several years, the last couple of decades. This is how God has been revealed to us. Through him, through Jesus... You believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and your hope are in God. The other day, I went to the gas station and my truck was running about empty. Now for me to fill my truck, it took about 100, well it was actually about $130, okay, to fill my truck. Somebody's like, oh my gosh, you need a little car. $130. I had to redeem 30 gallons of gasoline at $4 a gallon, $120. I redeemed that gasoline. I purchased that gasoline, 120 bucks. So let's just take this $100 bill, first, for example. If the inflation rate is 8% a year, then what's this $100 bill worth next year? $92, right? 
In other words, if I want $100 worth of gas next year, it's going to have to pay $108 for it because the inflation rates. Does that make sense? Not, this is not an economics class, but does that make sense? Let me tell you something. The blood of Jesus never changes its value. The economy never changes the value of the blood of Jesus. Sin, the Bible says, that the, 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 the punishment for sin is still what? Inflation does not change that, right? Doesn't change it. And inflation does not change. It's, if, if your life were redeemed with 100 bucks, if I were to buy your life, buy you out of sin for $100, you can take it. That, that, that's all it took. If that's all it took, if that's all it took to redeem my life from sin, I had to pay Brian $100 to redeem my life. Guess what my life is worth? 100 bucks. <laughs> it's worth about 20 gallons of gas. I want you to understand this. I want you to get this. Our life is not redeemed with something that could just be wrinkled up, crinkled up, tossed up, thrown away. $100. It's only $100. They claim that Bill Gates, if Bill Gates stops on the road to pick up a $100 bill, he's worth so much money that he's losing money if he stops to pick it up. I'm not worth that much. I'm worth more. I'm worth more. You know why? Because Jesus didn't redeem me with a $100 bill. He redeemed me with the blood of Christ. And guess what? You can't get that anywhere at any price. You can't get it anywhere. You can't go to Walmart. You can't go to Menards. You can't pick it up at, at Aldi's. You can't pick up the blood of Jesus anywhere. It comes only from the Father. It comes only from what Jesus did. That's what we're, he paid that price for you and for me. And we are that valuable. But Peter says, I want you to understand this about the redemption that you have. There's so much value in it. So because of that, be holy. No other way can you be redeemed. The Holy One of Israel, the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he shed his blood for you because he did that. Be holy. I just don't think that's so important. I got grace. Guess what? Grace does not change what God demands. Grace does not change what God calls for us, who he calls us to be. Grace does not change that. He still calls us to be holy. Paul says in Romans, I urge you, brother, in view of brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice. What does that mean, Pastor? That means if you hear the word of the you to go left when you want to go right, go left. If the word of the Lord is to you to call somebody, if the word of the Lord to you is don't do that, then guess what? Don't do that. Okay, okay. Let's, let's get real serious. If he's talking about sin in your life, if he's talking about sin and begins convicting you of sin in your life, don't walk away from that sin. Don't walk away from that call. The Bible says every time you do, you harden your heart. You harden your heart. And every time you harden your heart, 
it's easier and easier for us to walk in sin every time we harden our heart. Every time we choose to disobey, every time we choose to disobey, it gets easier. I've shared this before. When I started smoking, I was on the back 40. I was tucked underneath some bush. I lit up a cigarette kind of like this. You'd have had to, you couldn't have seen me from the air. You'd have had to have a heat-seeking something. Well, the next time I had a cigarette, I was standing by that bush. And the next time I had a cigarette, I wasn't on the back 40. I was only out 20 acres. And the next time I had a cigarette, I was just in the backyard. Why? Because my heart became hardened to that action, to that sin. I want you to understand, I was flipping through the channels the other night and I saw a preview of a show and in this commercial, this couple was openly talking about pornography and what should have been embarrassing, what shouldn't have been spoken of in the dark. They're just laughing about out loud. Our culture, our world has gotten so hardened, our hearts have been so hardened to what God has done and Peter says, I want you to be holy just like God is holy. As believers, we should be different than the world around us. We should reflect the glory of God. People should look at us and go, there's something different. You're right, there's something different. A friend of mine went to a hunting camp. Everybody knew that he was a pastor. He went up to the hunting camp with the guys, and the first time that he went, they, they apparently, years before, there's 15, 20 of these guys, opening weekend of deer hunting, they all watched a whole bunch of pornography and got drunk, and he didn't know that. So he went and he said the second year, or that, that, that he didn't know what was going on. The first year that he went, all of a sudden about 10 o'clock, these guys are starting to get, get a good buzz on and they start playing pornography. And he said he was on the backside of the counter, TV's over here, backside of the counter, he said he stuffed his head in a pillow and jammed himself right up underneath the counter so he couldn't hear, couldn't see, or couldn't, he wanted nothing to do with it. And that level of conviction in his heart made it so uncomfortable for the rest of those guys that the following year they wouldn't invite him. Hallelujah! Right? Right? Because guess what? Every time they go up there, there are still those guys that are convicted by somebody who 15 years ago was so convicted that he wouldn't watch that garbage. That speaks. Spoke then, speaks today. Peter says, we need to be holy. Verse 21 says, and through him you believe. We're purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. Our faith and our hope is not in our family. I love my wife My faith and my hope is not in my wife. I love my kids. They are not my faith and my hope. And guess what? I'm not theirs either. The bank is not my faith and hope. The doctor is not where I put my faith and hope. The financial system, the medical system, look, if you need to go to the doctor, go to the doctor. But that's not where we place our hope. That's not where we place our confidence, our trust, right? You don't act like you believe me. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm, I, I, if you're ready, I'm ready because I got one more for you. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You said I could do it. I want you to understand that your faith and your hope is not in the Republican Party. 
It's also not in the Democratic Party. It's also not in the Constitutional Party. And it's not in the Constitution. And it's not even in the United States of America. Right? Do I love this country? Sure, I love this country. Is this it? Every one of those things that I listed, the medical system, the the political system, the Republicans, the Democrats, the Constitution, every one of them is part of this fallen world system, right? Right? You got to buy in or I'm not going past it. It's all part of this fallen world's system. So do some people want to serve God and others not? Sure. Should we vote one way? Sure. Should we vote another? Well, maybe we shouldn't vote that way. But guess what? Our righteousness and our hope does not come out of the ballot box. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God puts kings in positions of authority to accomplish his will, not ours. Not ours. Should we be a part of something that we believe is good? Sure. Should you join? Sure. If you want to come out and see the, 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 the Patriot meeting this afternoon, the, the whole time, great. Come out and be a part of it. But understand, that is not where our hope comes from. As a matter of fact, if you read through the Old Testament, you'll find that God often installed a wicked king. Why? To drive Israel back to himself. Where does our hope come from? Christ and him alone, right? If this world goes to hell in a handbasket, where's our hope? In Jesus, in Christ, in in God alone. That's it. And here, Peter says that we're supposed to place our hope in. Does that mean we're just going to fall into it? It means we need to place our hope in him. When things don't look like they're going the way that I think that they should go, what do I do? Oh, Jesus. No, I'm going to place my hope in him. God, you're above this. You're beyond this. You are so far above it. He is so far above it. I believe... We need to recognize where our hope comes from. Peter tells his believers, you need to be quick and alert in your mind and you also need to be sober. That word sober has two contexts. First, as we know, sober would mean refers to not being drunk. Well, as believers, we already know we're not called to be drunk. Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. You get drunk with wine, you're going to be heading towards debauchery and sin and every kind of evil and wickedness. And the Bible says that beer is a mocker and wine is a mocker. Don't go down that road. I don't think we need to talk about that. We talk about that on Tuesday nights. Be sober in your mind. But here's the other thing that that sober means. Sober also means that we need to be serious. We need, we need to not be flippant or careless with our walk. Get a hold of that. Don't be careless with your walk with Jesus. Don't be careless. I thought you were a follower of Jesus and yet you're out doing this. It's okay, God God will forgive me. You know what we'd call that? Thin ice. Does God love you? Yeah. Will God forgive you? Yeah. When you're walking in unrepentant sin, watch out. The Bible says you're in a dangerous, dangerous place. 
We are in a dangerous place. We need to be sober. We need to be vigilant. We need to not be flippant about the way that we live our lives. We need to be serious about our commitment to Christ. This does not take away any room for humor. It's not like you can never laugh again. It's not like you have to be so serious that you can never smile. I, I believe just the opposite. I think we'll have great joy in his presence. I think there's going to be lots of laughter. I think there's going to be lots of joy. I think we can enjoy his presence, but we don't want to be flippant It's the blood of Jesus that paid the way. It's not like a hundred bucks, great, I'll pay you back that hundred bucks so I can go out and sin all I want. No, 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 no. This is the blood of Jesus that was shed. And he's like, be serious. Peter's saying, be sober about that. Be sober-minded about that. Think about it. Think about the way you live your life. Think about your actions. You go and tell somebody about Jesus one day, but you're sitting down in the bar the next day. Guess what? That's not a good witness. Why are we sitting down at the bar so I can hide all my problems? I thought you said Jesus cured all your problems. What is it? Where are we at? Are we going to walk in this world system? Or are we going to lay down our lives and stand up for what's right? Stand up for righteousness. Peter goes to tell him, put your hope, put your hope. You set your hope fully on the grace that's revealed when Jesus comes. How many of you believe that you have a, a great life because Christ has come into your life? How many of you believe? Look around. Keep your hands up. Look around. Look around. Look around. Look at all the people. Look around. Everybody's still looking at me. Look around. These are all people that think they have a great life because of what's, what Jesus has done in their life. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. You think it's great now? You think it's great now? Here's what the Word says. The Word says, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, or either entered into the heart of man the things that the Lord has prepared for those who love him. You think it's good now? Woo! This is just the beginning. This is all going to fade away. You think you've got joy now? You think you've got hope now? You think you've got peace now? Peter says, I don't care about the difficulties or the struggles or the trials that you're going through. Place your hope in Christ because the end... The end, if you love God, man, you haven't even begun to see what's out there yet. One amen. You haven't begun to see what's out there. Amen? We serve a great God. You say, well, I don't know if I want to give up my, my sin. I'd sure like to be able to stack them up, one on each side of the stage. I'd like to stack up the blessings that come from the Word of God. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, nor is even entered into the mind the things that God has for those who love him. Versus smoking and cancer and sin and pornography. Oh, but, oh, but pastor, and, and, and. Which side of the scale do you want to be on? Yes, people are pointing, that side, maybe over there. If I sin, Pastor, does that mean I'm not going to heaven? Why do I got to do all this? No, that's not what he says. Doesn't mean that if you're sin, you're going to be cut off. What it means is you're taking the blood of Jesus for granted. Do I sin? Yeah, I've sinned. I sinned this past week. I try not to. 
I really try to walk in the righteousness, anytime I can walk in the righteousness of God. I try to live my life in such a way that I reflect Christ. But I do on occasion fall. Gratefully, we've got an advocate who's before the Father praying for us. He's praying for us day and night, interceding. Because Leviticus, when, when Peter is quoting scripture here about being holy, he's quoting what, what was written in Leviticus, which says, be holy for I am holy. It shows that God, God's expectation for humanity has not changed. Grace does not change the expectation of God. He gives us grace so that we can, we can walk in this holiness, so that we're covered, we don't have to do all these sacrifices. He gives us that grace, but he expects us to walk in a holiness and a righteousness that is above the standard of the world. He expects us to do that. And when we blow it, we're supposed to what? Repent. Oh, God, I'm so sorry I got caught. No, no. God, I'm sorry that I've broken your covenant, your rule, your, what, your hope for me, your plan for me, because you got something so much better. I'm so sorry that I've sinned against the blood of Christ. I don't want to live in that spot anymore, God. Change my heart. Change my life. Change my situation. Change me. It's where we need to be, folks. It's where we need to be. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, now that you have purified yourself, there's a, there's a big Christian word we used to use called sanctification. What does sanctification mean? Now that you have purified yourself, or sanctified, you're pure, you're clean. Why? Because of what you've done? No, because of what he has done through us, and we choose to walk in that. Now that you have purified yourself, how? By obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for one another. Sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living, enduring word of God. For all people are like grass. He's just laying it out there. He said, you're all like grass. Eventually, all of your glory, just like the flowers, it's just they're going to fade just like the flowers of the field. Grass withers, flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Peter said, here's the word that was preached to you. Be holy. Be holy. He said, my pastor, I don't know how to get there. Start out by being quiet. Go to the Father and listen. Go to the Father with the heart that's open and say, God, speak to me today. God, I need to hear you. The Bible says that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. So much so, when the shepherd would come into town, he'd take a big room, big, a big pen, and he'd put his sheep in there with everybody else's sheep. There'd be sheep from 10, 15, 20 shepherds, and he never had to check them. When he brought them in, the sheepfold, that's called a sheepfold, there was a gate, pretend the steps here are the gate, when he brought them in, he went through and he went over all their fleece and just made sure if they had any bug bites or any ticks or anything, he'd put oil on them, he'd anoint them, he'd bring them in. And then one shepherd would sit there overnight and watch all these sheep. And in the morning, the shepherd would come back. When he whistled, his sheep would come out. And the next shepherd would come in. And when he whistled, his sheep would come out. They didn't have to count them. They didn't have to sort them. They didn't have to put dots on them. The sheep knew the shepherd's voice. If the shepherd walked up and said, hey, his sheep followed. That's just the way it was. You know what it doesn't say anything about? It doesn't say anything about the lambs. Lambs didn't follow the shepherd. 
The lamb followed mama. Some of us need to grow up a little bit. We're not sure that we hear the shepherd's voice. You know how you hear the shepherd's voice? Find yourself a good old-fashioned sheep where you can saddle up alongside and say, I'm not sure if I'm hearing the Lord or not, but this is what I think God's saying. You've been in Christianity a lot longer than I am. Your faith is a lot stronger than mine. Maybe you could give me some help. Is this what God's saying? Folks, we can't do this thing on our own. But Peter says, it's time. It's time. It's time. You better be ready. You better be nimble. You better have your loins, the loins of your mind, gird up with truth. You better be ready. You better be spiritually, you better be on top of the game because there's all kinds of wickedness coming at us. There's all kinds of evil out there all around us all the time. What are we going to do? Are we ready? Are we hearing the voice of the Lord? Are we responding? Are we acting as obedient children? Are we acting in disobedience? Are we doing what he's calling us to do? Because God's calling us to grow up. Amen? God, we thank you for your word. You know what? I just can't. Maybe you're here today and your heart's just going. Like he's talking to me. He's talking to me. It's not me talking. It's the Holy Spirit. If God's convicting you of sin today, maybe you say, I've been following for a long time, Pastor, but I've been doing it my way. If he's convicting you of sin, I want you to take up time this morning to repent. It's not before me. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about that precious blood of Jesus. We're just going to be quiet again. We're just going to be quiet. If you need to take that time to repent, to, to confess some faults, do it between you and the Lord. If you need to find a brother to confess to, then I'm going to, or a sister, then I'm going to tell you to go and find somebody. I'm going to close different today. I'm going to pray. And when I'm done praying, we're going to take a minute. I don't want anybody to move. I want you to just sit here. When I'm done praying, you're not dismissed. We're going to take a minute. If you need to go somebody, if you need somebody to pray for you, after that minute, then I'm going to ask you to move from there. Father, I thank you for each person here. I believe your word is real and it's alive. I believe you're talking to your people about being holy, God. You're talking to your people about walking away from sin and those things that so easily beset us. I believe you're talking to us, God, about transformation. It only comes as we're obedient to your word. So, Lord, we want to sit in your presence. We're just going to ask you to speak to our hearts. And as we hear you, God, we want to respond. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place. We invite you to speak to our hearts. 
right now in Jesus' name. Let's take a minute and just be quiet. God, your word says that we're supposed to confess our faults one to another that we might be healed. So today, if you're in this room and you feel like you've got something you need to confess, I'm going to ask you to find a brother or a sister that you can talk to. We'll have some of our elders come forward. You need someone to pray for you. You've got something you need. Maybe you just need to come to the altar. You just need some time alone with God. I'm going to ask you to spend that time and not be flippant, but be sober about your faith. Be sober about your faith. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.